Welcome to Coffee with the Coach. No, it isn't Coffee with the Coach anymore. It's the Jeff Reinbold Show. And I am talking to my man, Michael. And Michael, let me just start this way. Because I know you were propping those Los Angeles Chargers as Super Bowl contenders. But last night, they went into Kansas City. And I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. My takeaway from last night, and hello, Jeff, and hello to everybody watching this. My <laughs> takeaway last night was that the Chargers could go right up against the Chiefs, and they're the real deal. I know they didn't win the game, but that was my takeaway from the game. You know what? I, I agree with you. Now, again, I just, you know, I love to pimp you when I when any chance I get. <laughs> but um, before we get to the Chargers, let's go back a little bit. Let's go put it in rewind a little bit. And... Uh, Let's talk about a game that happened up in Seattle the other day where somebody said, let's ride. And Seattle kind of took it personally, I think, a little bit, Michael. You're having a laugh, Mitt, right now. You're having a laugh. I'll tell you what we'll do. We will talk about week one and week two after we bring your guest on. And I will I will talk about let's ride and Russell Wilson to the hills. Um, but ju- just for anyone watching this live, Get your questions in. Uh, I'll put them on the screen as well. And uh, a very, very warm welcome. You doing good, you know, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I. You know what? Uh, I. I agree with you. It's going to be a great year in the NFL. But I, I tell you, Week One did not disappoint in any way, shape, or form. We can unpack that a little bit later. We we'll want to start today because this is kind of a special one today. Um, this this young guy that uh, I watched go from being. Uh, you know, a skinny little freshman kid out of Chino, California, came to the University of Hawaii. And in 2006, he redshirted. 2007, our 12-0 Sugar Bowl team, he played, uh, I think he played eight games that year. But I remember after the Sugar Bowl, late in the game, he had an opportunity to come in and play. And he made a play on the sideline. And, and I remember grabbing him after the game and saying, hey, man, you got a chance to be the next great one. And it really, it really worked out that way. This is Greg Salas. Uh, Greg, as I said, came to the University of Hawaii from Chino, California. Uh, in his time at UH, he caught for over 4,000 yards and led the nation in receiving as a senior. Um, I think the biggest thing when he made the transition from outside receiver into the slot you really watched his career take off because he had access to every route in the route tree playing inside. He was a tough matchup for people because he was long. He had great catching radius, tough as nails, and really, really a good football player. Got drafted in the fourth round by the Los Angeles Rams and had a six-year NFL career. We're going to kind of unpack Greg's football journey today. So, Greg Salas, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, uh, I, I love how you guys are already getting after it. And it's only week one in the NFL. And we already got the digs coming. Uh, and I said the same thing as like, God, I'm so happy football's back. It's only week one. And we're already having all this great football to watch on TV. So uh, appreciate you guys having me on today. Greg, when you came to Hawaii, and you know, you and I kind of laughed about this the other day, you know, the difference between being a freshman and being a senior, not knowing your way around campus, just kind of getting caught up in all of what it's like to be a college football player. But you had some pretty unique guys to kind of set the pathway for you. Devon Bess, who was a great player for the Dolphins and the Browns, uh, Ryan Grice Mullins, Jason Rivers, Colt Brennan. I mean, you, you walked into a football team that was really dynamic offensively. Yeah, and, and we haven't even talked about, you know, the O-line that was amazing uh, as well uh, for us that year. But but those guys, even like a Ross Dickerson who kind of took me underneath his wing early on just to tell me, hey, this is the way how you do things and kind of, you know, provide a little bit of discipline. He, he was an older guy that I never forgot as well who, uh, you know, took a little freshman under his wing. But uh, being able to watch those guys, especially – I think I talked about this yesterday with ESPN uh, Honolulu. Uh, Jason Rivers had a huge impact on me and just the way he approached the game and approached being a receiver. He was he was nasty. He was uh, in your face. He was physical um, and he was going to let you know, you know, if he got one on you. And then I ended up kind of, you know, you just add tools to your tool belt. Right. So um, having all those guys to kind of watch. And then and then as I progressed into my, my career, that was, that's the film I watched. 
to get better, to realize, all right, I want to be a thousand yard receiver. I'm not one yet. How do I become one? And I watched all those guys film, you know, from the 2006, 2007 season. And that really helped me uh, and my game. Now, now tell me, how did you get to Hawaii from Chino? Like what was the, what was, how did the whole process unfold? Uh, uh, Jeannie Barbosa, uh, like my second mother here, she was kind of like a, uh, the, uh, unquote, you know, the recruiting coordinator for Chino High School. Would just would just pester Ron Lee. I'm pretty sure <laughs> she she didn't leave him alone. She put my highlight tape on front of. We had two guys that were gonna go Pac-12, no matter what. You know, they they were they were bona fide superstars. One of them ended up, I ended up playing with him on the Detroit Lions, uh, R.J. Stanford. So she would put my. This is back when VHS was was the deal. It's not huddle, you know. So she would put my highlight tape on before them and send it to every recruiting coordinator across the nation, you know, Utah, USC, you name it, all those cool schools that were looking at those two, they had at least fast forward, or maybe they just watched them. <laughs> and then that's how it happened in Hawaii. And then she kept calling and she was very persistent. And then finally Ron Lee and, and June got me out here for a visit and, and then an offer eventually. Let's, let's talk about the run and shoot, right? You come from a high school offense and you got to transition into what is now I think recognized as one of the best ways to throw the football where you're not running static routes you're running route adjustments everything's based on reading coverage you and the quarterback have to be on on the same page how difficult was that transition from high school football to the run and shoot the june jones offense oh god i was lost um especially because <laughs> especially because when i came i came as a corner so all my all my offers out of high school were to play corner i didn't even play receiver in high school i might have had a couple you know we're an i formation team and we like to give the ball to our star running back um and so i'd come in on third and long or you know maybe a trick reverse play or maybe i'll th get a throw pass in a game so all my all my offers were for corner so i you know i wasn't really focused too much on you know how to play offense even though i always knew i could catch the ball and, and run routes and you know be shifty that way but i just always played corners so uh you know yeah getting to hawaii and having to learn adjustments and uh, pre-snap reads it helped me because i understood defense so i could understand what is what a corner was trying to do or what a safety was trying to do uh and the looks they're trying to give so from that standpoint it helped me but i man I, you know, we're talking about speed cuts and seven steps. And what am I thinking about? I have to run a post and out. Am I stopping? Am I sitting? Am I man breaking? Um, yeah, I, I was lost. But once you get a, the hang of it and you have all those tools to, to utilize, it, you know, as you're going through a route and you and a quarterback are on the same page, it's kind of hard to stop if, if you have someone who can get you the ball and you know, um, you know, what route to run. All right. Now we have, people all over the world listen to this podcast and, and there are a lot of young players out there, high school kids that want to make that same journey that you've made, but maybe they don't have a Mrs. Barbosa, right? What would you say to a young kid, a young high school kid, Greg, that wants to be a national football league player? Oh God, man, it's gonna, it's gonna take the dedication and the perseverance. Really. You gotta, it, it's, it, it's gonna start with the mindset. So if that's what you really, truly want, then it's, it's got to start there. You know, I think Kobe Bryant is like a, an idol of mine and, and he has so many good quotes and so many ways that he approaches the game and the Mamba mentality. Right. I think that's that's number one and putting in the work. Um, you know, everybody wants to film themselves and post it on social media and say I'm grinding, I'm working. But I always kind of look for those ones who who are kind of just doing it in silence, right? They, they don't need the someone patting them on the back to let them know, oh yeah, you're working hard. This is this is how you do it. It's those guys who are just gonna do it and, and that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for just to get better. Um, you gotta put the work in and there's 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 no substitution for it. If you're not gonna put the work in, it's, it's just not gonna pan out unless you're one of those uber talented five-star guys that um, things can come naturally. And then, you know, they, those guys also put work in as well. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna discredit them, but. Yeah, you got to work, man. You got to work hard. All right. You know, two-time All-WAC player, All-American by a, named All-American by a number of services. You're a Blitnikoff semifinalist. And for fans that don't know what the Blitnikoff Award is, that's the award that's given every year to the top collegiate wide receiver in the United States. You're going to the Combine. And it was funny. You told me one day, you said, I just had to show them that I could run, right? So 
explain the combine process. What's that like? Because, you know, our viewers, they hear about the combine, they, you know, about the underwear Olympics, you know, which is what I call it. But what was that combine experience like? Oh, man, it's it's nerve wracking. It is. It is. You know, you want to you everything's kind of culminating to this point. Right. And we've seen what happens. You know, you mentioned Devon. He didn't run a fast time. I think that that really hurt him. I mean, there was there's no reason why he shouldn't have been, you know, uh, uh, a second round draft pick, third round easily coming out of out of college. Um, so, yeah, I, I just knew there was a lot of weight and emphasis put on me having to run a decent time and not be kind of a four seven guy that I think some people might have thought unless they really didn't watch the tape. You know, so I always knew people would see. I, I had a few plays where you can see I, I've, I've gotten out, you know, I'm, I'm out running people, um, you know, doing the things that I was doing. So, yeah, it was nerve wracking, but it was also just like an amazing experience, right, to be a part of that, to be there. I mean, how many times have I watched the draft and just looked at guys running 40s and like, oh, he's going to be good. He ran a 4-2 or, or all those, you know, running the drills. I always imagine myself running the drills and like, man, I don't know how these guys are dropping it. I would never drop a pass in a drill. <laughs> Uh, like that, you know, but you, then you realize the, the pressure that's on all these guys to just, you know, make a cut, make sure your cut looks good, make sure you're getting upfield, make sure you're looking to, you know, there's so many little things that you want to make sure you're doing so you can make that little impression on whoever is watching you there and everyone is watching you there. So, um, man, it was fun. It, I look back on it and I, I just remember when I did take off my shirt and, you know, you take your pants off and you're, you're sitting there and your little, you know, your little spandex stuff. And then, like, I was right next to like, Cam Newton, and I was like, "Damn, that's a quarterback!" And he looked like, and then, like, why do I have to be so close to this guy right now? This is not good for me. <laughs> this is not gonna. This isn't gonna help my draft status when I'm standing next to this mountain of a man who's playing quarterback. Um, so, but it, it was it was a great it was a great experience for me. Well, you know, fans got to understand now. You're in Lucas Oil Stadium, right? And, and where the Colts play, and you're a young kid who's always dreamt about the league and you go out to run your 40 and you look up and there's Rich Eisen and, and, you know, all the, you know, all the media people, but also like the, the thing that like, I, I always giggle when I, when I see it. And the first time I heard it, it was like crazy. You've got maybe a, maybe 500 personnel, scouts, coaches, that kind of stuff all scattered throughout the seats. And when a guy starts his 40, you hear beep. And then when the guy stops his 40, you hear beep. <laughs> 500 of them going yeah. at the same time. Yeah. But the pressure, knowing that, hey, that's Bill Belichick and there's Rex Ryan. And, you know, when you look up, did you, did you just for a second say, wow? Oh yeah. There's so many times. And that's what I, I was really happy with myself personally that I just, I took those moments to soak it in. Like literally I sat there and I told myself, you are here right now. Like this is, this is at, like everything you've worked for your whole entire childhood dream. It's like, it's right here. You're doing it. So like I was very um, aware, I would say, uh, and, and in the moment, which, which I always look back on and I knew I would look back on it. I would knew it at some point I'd be sitting here like this reminiscing on the time uh, that I had. And, and yeah, I remember just being there and, uh, listening to my music, you know, trying to look smooth out there and act like I didn't care, <laughs> you know, trying to exude confidence. Um, but I have a good story at the combine because, you know, all your boys are watching, right? Your family's watching. This is on television. Everybody, a lot of people watch the combine, right? They make a whole spectacle out of it. So I go back to my cell phone after running my 40 times because you get time in between, you can go look at your phone and you, you'll move to the next thing or maybe you have interviews that night. Um, and all my friends, they all say, hey, bro, don't worry about it. You'll get them like you'll kill them in the, 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 the drills and the route running. I said, what the hell happened? Like <laughs> I, come, I come to find out that they 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 gave me a 5.0 in my 40 on TV, what? live TV. Yes. And they were calling me Hawaii Five O <laughs> during the broadcast, and like you know, I like Mike, Mike Mayock. You know, he was he was a big part of me. He's like, whoa. He's like, I don't think that's right. Did he really run a five flat? <laughs> you are kidding me. I swear. And then the next one, it should have been four five flat. It should have been four five flat. And then the next one was like a four five two or four five three, something like that. Um, 
so you know they were like okay that wasn't an yeah i think i think something just whatever the the number popped up wrong but to go back to your cell phone and see like oh don't don't worry about the 40 dude you'll do you'll do better oh, in something else i was sitting there like what happened what the hell that um, would have crushed some guys seriously because yeah, I mean, you know how you know how guys are hung up on their 40 time and, and yeah i'm not talking about the players i'm talking about the, the guys up there in the stands the personnel guys because yeah. in your case the question was is he fast enough? And when yeah. you ran four or five, you answered that question. But had you run five flat, you, you just <laughs> talked about Devon. Devon caught for a billion yards like you in college and didn't run a good 40 time and ends up being a free agent. He goes from yeah. being a second or third round draft choice to a free agent because of a 40 time. Hey, you get drafted by the Rams in the fourth round. Coming into the draft, where did you think you were going to go? Ooh, I... I had no idea about the Rams. I knew they needed receivers. You know, you, you go through this process and you're talking to your agent. You're like, okay, well, here's we think some landing spots are. Here's some wide receiver needy teams. You know, I, I knew, uh, you know, from what my agents had told me, I knew the Eagles had liked me. You know, I knew the, the Jets had liked me. I knew, uh, I thought Green Bay was a spot I would end up, uh, especially through the draft. Or, and even Dallas, for, for some reason. I, I had just a really great interview with Jason Garrett and the whole coaching staff. And, you know, they were really, you know, impressed by my interview process and how I was able to retain information. You know, they'll draw up a play on the board. They'll erase it. And they'll put their side adjustments on it. And then they'll say, okay, here, can you redraw this for you? And, and you know, go through the side adjustments. And I was just able to crush, knock, knock it out the window on that one. And they were just, like, oh, he's got you, everybody. <laughs> like they were just really impressed. So I thought that was a spot I could go to, but I also thought Green Bay, you know, just based on the draft and, and having interviews with people, I thought that was a spot um, I could potentially end up into. All right, so you get drafted in the fourth round, and all of a sudden the little kid from Chino, California, gets a paycheck for, for just signing his name on a piece of paper, dollars to sign your name on a piece of paper. That's not your contract. That's your signing bonus. You're in a different world now, bro. <laughs> well, the first thing I did, I was like, I think I texted my agent. And I said, uh, where's the rest of the money? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hadn't really, uh, I didn't really focus too much. I would say in my, in my business courses at UH, you know, I, I, I always tell people I majored in football and that's why I went back to get my MBA afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I was like, where's, you know, and you, you learn about taxes pretty quickly, uh, right then and there. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, surreal. I remember taking a picture of the, of the check and thinking like, Whoa, um, this is cool. Uh, but you know, I still, I think I still, because I budgeted so well in, at Hawaii, uh, you know, you, you make, you make a thousand dollars stretch out in a whole entire month. So, uh, I, I wasn't spending a ton of money at all. You know, I think I was living well within my means after that still. All right, so we get to pro football, right? And you go to the Rams, right? Which gives you an opportunity to meet a guy that um, I, I, when we have talked a couple of times, you, you've really, I know you have deep admiration for. You, you, were, you were really fortunate to be around some great coaches in your six-year career. But Josh McDaniel in particular, uh, offensive I don't know. Genius is too strong a word. I, I think that's tossed around way too much, but certainly one of the outstanding offensive coaches in the national football league. Now the Raiders head coach, what was it about him that made him special, Greg? Uh, you know, he, he was and then especially this is, you know, over 10 years ago, he was, a, he's a young guy, you know, kind of like a Sean McVay, you know, very energetic, very personable, and, you know, would spend time, you know, would, would talk to you, would tell you how, you know, how, how you can do this, where he sees you carving out your niche, right? Especially if you're a drafted guy, right? You're, you're kind of one of their guys. They're, they're the, you're the one of the ones that they sit on the table on four and said, this is the guy we want to draft. This is the guy who's going to help the team. Um, but, you know, he, he just, you know, he would have those little side conversations with me, the confidence builders, the encouragement, you know, this is what I saw you did at practice. That was really good. You can build on that you know, stack days. It's, it's about getting a little bit better every day through training camp. Um, and, and, you know, helping me focus and helping me learn really. I think that was one of the most important things I've learned from Josh and, you know, the Patriots, uh, you know, and the way they kind of went about their businesses, the preparation that they put in beforehand, you know, it's like Tuesday wasn't a day off in the NFL 
for those guys. It was a it was an opportunity to get better, to come in, study film of your upcoming opponent if you already haven't, um, and go through you know a game plan already. You know, get you, the game plan's already kind of ready by Tuesday, right? You're getting ready for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, implementing it. You know, Tuesday was, a, was an extra day to get it to get ahead of everybody, to have that exposure to the game plan beforehand. So all those things, you know, and coming in, I I, I could watch film with him and Bradford. You know, he'd have me start coming in just because he knew I was a young guy and we had missed spring ball. You know, we had missed sp- spring camp because it was a lockout year. We, you know, when rookies, we got there, we had no exposure. We went straight into training camp day one. Um, and, you know, he knew we would all be behind the eight ball because of that. So, you know, I was very fortunate that they would, you know, allow me to come watch film with the quarterbacks and with them on Tuesday, even though it was kind of their little thing. And, you know, that helped me, that helped speed up the learning curve process for me. All right now. You go from the Rams, and and again, you have a you have a career that you went to a number of teams, right? And one of the teams that you played for was, as you said, the Patriots. Take us inside Fortress Patriot. What is it like in that environment? Oh man, yeah, it's 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 business. You know, when I was there, it was it's about winning a Super Bowl, right? It doesn't matter about winning 12 13 games a season anymore especially at that time they were already at, you know a dynasty they had won they had won multiple super bowls tom brady was well on his way to being the goat already right um and just the leadership that he had you know he was one of the guys who was one of the hardest workers who was you know who was going to get asked questions in meetings just like any other guy and he had to know the answers too right and his uh kind of his aura and the way he approached practice that same fiery tom that you see out on game day yelling let's you can go, you know, that same guy, that's how he is in practice going against the defense and, and getting everybody better. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a lot, you can handle it. If you can handle it, they're looking for a certain person there, right. If that can, that can handle the mental toughness that's needed to, to put in the preparation for, you know, that whole entire season in football, um, because they're looking to make Super Bowl runs, not playoff runs. It doesn't, doesn't matter if you make it to the playoffs. <laughs> they want, they want a Super Bowl. You know, it's amazing you say that because every guy that I've talked to, that's played there. And I'm talking Jake Ingram, Sebastian Vollmer, you, all the guys I know that have played at that joint all say the same thing. Adrian Clem, everybody. It's mentally challenging. It's emotionally challenging. But if you want to get better, you're going to get, you're either going to get better or you're going to get gone in New England. Yeah. That, no, that, that set up my career. I feel like, um, to continue to make it because that, you know, after you're on your first team and second team and you're now you're here on your third team and your fourth team, right. There's a certain perception about you probably, you know, throughout the league, right or wrong. Um, you know, all the things I learned there was, it just made every, going everywhere else kind of a cakewalk for me, honestly, to go in as a, a bottom tier receiver, you know, you can be, I can be number 10 on the depth chart, you know, walking into spring ball. I just knew that by the end of spring, I was going to be vying for something, right? Not only a roster position, but, um, you know, playing time. Just because uh, I knew I can go in there now and learn every single position in the offense. I can go and do special teams. The the exact way they're trying to teach it, go run the special teams drill exactly the way they're doing it, and you'll be on special teams. You, if you just show that you can do the way that the coaches are trying to, to, to implement something. And, and then I knew by the end of the day, I'll be out there, I'll be on the field, I'll be a contributor, and I'll have a roster spot. Um, so that kind of, just having that mentality and that ability to, to do that, because that's what you have to do on the Patriots, um, you know, that that set me up to, to go in there and and easily compete and, and, and get ahead of the game for sure, and put, separate myself from other receivers on the roster. Now, what was was there a common thread? We talked about Josh McDaniels, and and he fascinates me, you know, because here's a guy that obviously played at a very low level of college football and worked his ass off to be an assist. I mean, because you know it's the same grind. You talk all those guys, Patricia, all those guys came up the hard way, right? I mean, that's that's the Bill Belichick family tree, right? So. He's a guy that you you watch and he grinds his way to be a coordinator and have the greatest quarterback that ever played in the game, right? As a Raider fan, I'm asking this for me now because he's he's the head coach of the yeah, team you, I love. You, you and me both, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raider fans, yeah. 
if you were going to say to Raider Nation right now, as a guy who played for Josh McDaniels, who been in the locker, you know, been through the meeting, seen him prepare, know the guy intimately, personally, right? What is he going to bring to the Raiders? That, that's why I'm so excited for them, especially with the team he had, the offense he has as well. You know, he's got he's got everybody at every position. He's got a running back, pretty decent running back. He's got the quarterback. He's got a, a top, the, the best receiver in the league. He's got one of the best tight ends in the league, you know, arguably one of the best tight ends in the league. And he's got, you know, he's got Hunter, who's who's kind of the same mold as an Edelman and as a Welker to kind of work the middle uh, with the tight end. So I'm I'm excited. It's going to take some time, right? That's not an easy offense they're implementing. And, and you know this as a coach. It takes, it takes a little bit of time to just go in there, implement an offense, and have everything that you, you're used to having. You know, if you've, if you've been in a system for five years, you have five years of experience and plays and, and game plans that you can call from. But, yeah, you're going to see a, an offense that I think by, you know, midseason is just going to be humming. I think they played well against the Chargers. They didn't get they didn't get the win, but you know the, I like I think you guys talked about earlier. The Chargers are, are for real. They're, that's a really good team, uh, both defensively and offensively. So I'm I'm expecting them to make a run. Honestly, not this year, next year. All right. So in your in your tour of the NFL, right, which is what I'll call your career, because you, you did you hit a bunch of teams. It was my and... farewell tour. I, I wanted to make sure I gave everybody a chance to experience well, I, uh, the Greg Palace experience. <laughs> Let's let's go to the other end of the spectrum where we just talked about the Patriots and what it's like to be in that high pressure environment. And, you know, um, you go to the Jets and you get a chance to play for a guy that you actually played for twice in your career. And yeah. one of the great one of the great one of the great characters that's ever had a head coaching job in the National Football League, Rex Ryan. What was it like playing for Rex? Oh, it's it's completely different and opposite. But you love Rex. I mean, every everybody loves Rex. He was he was a player's coach, man. He um, yeah, he was awesome, and I, I I owe a lot to that guy. Right? He he believed in me right away, gave me an opportunity right away, um, and continued to get me opportunity when he was done at the Jets with the, with the Bills. Um, so forever indebted to Rex. You know, he he appreciated those hard workers, those grinders. Those guys that you know wanted to want, just loved playing football, um, but yeah, completely different than Bill, right? Bill, all the all the coaches, even the coaches were a little nervous about Bill. You know, meetings like, shit, I got to be prepared because it's gonna be my ass getting chewed out, right? Um, or or you know, so so with Rex, you know, it was a lot more fun, a lot more easygoing, um, and and yeah, you know, he kind of expected because he where he came, right? He came from the Baltimore, right, where he had just the defensive coordinator, outstanding leadership on the defense. He didn't, he didn't have to provide that for that defense, right? He had to provide the plays and the calling for that defense, but he had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. He had so many guys, Suggs, that were just tremendous leaders um, and that could handle a locker room themselves. Uh, you know, so, so here at the Jets, it was, it was a little bit different, but man, we had some good times. Um, and, and I loved Rex. I loved the way he approached the game. I loved his love for the game. You can see he really, you know, he loves football. And uh, and it was just some really good times there in New York. All right, you go to the Bills. Now, I got to ask you, when you were at the Bills, did you ever, like, jump through a card table? Like, uh, you know. <laughs> only only if it was on fire. Um, then, <laughs> then, I would, then I would go ahead and do practice my, my old school WWE moves. Um, no, I did not. But man, yeah, Bills Mafia really shows out. They're all, they're one of the all time great, you know, small community, kind of like a Green Bay, right? These they got, these guys do so much. They love football so much there. It means so much to that city. Um, and yeah, I just I just see how they're doing now. I mean, I wish I was a part of it now. It must be crazy in Buffalo <laughs> with the way the team is right now. I mean, they must be having a hell of a time there. And and uh, you know, the food was awesome there as well i gotta i can't say can't say enough about the food in buffalo me and my wife ate out probably every day a little bit more than we should have but um. <laughs> hey bro now i when i was leafing through the pictures of you right to come up with one to promo the show there's a picture of you at buffalo getting tipped over and i swear to god you're off the ground 
and your head is where your feet are supposed to be and your feet are where your head's supposed to be. Tell me about that play. Oh, that I mean, now yeah, that was Thursday night football. That was like, uh, man, it was like a 60 yard, 70 yard touchdown on Thursday night football. Uh, that was a long time coming. That was like my first reception touchdown in regular season. Preseason, I was always able to get a couple touchdowns, right? Um, but that was my first, at least, reception touchdown. Uh, one and only, I finally got one in the league that I could hang my hat on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was Tyrod did a great job of, you know, breaking down the defense and getting outside and extending the play and um, able to do some scramble drill with him. And man, as soon as I got, as soon as I knew I was getting towards the end zone and I had made it, I just jumped and, uh, you know, did a front flip and was just too excited to, you know, I went, it all went black at that point. Um, <laughs> but man, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Um, yeah. Everyone's like, what the hell were you doing, doing a front flip? You could have hurt yourself. I'm like, you know what? I hurt myself every every year anyways. It's okay. <laughs> I scored a touchdown. I'll be all right. You know, uh, it had to be a little sweeter because it was against the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 was it not? Yeah. And the year before, they were playing to make the playoffs in Buffalo. I had just come on like the that week, and I was starting off the street. It was like week 17. Yeah, it was the last game of the year. If they win, they're in. And I had to come in and end up catching like four or five balls, all for first downs, all in one couple of them in the fourth quarter. Um, and I got a lot of hate mail from the from the Jets fans at that point. <laughs> oh man, that was that was funny. My wife was getting really upset with social media, but I was like, this is this is what it's all about here, you know. That was where I played, and those were all fans at one point. And now they're now they, you know, some of them were dapping me up, but a lot of them were like, How could you do that? how could you do that to us yeah how could you do that to us so i'm like yeah it was it was really uh really fun i had some good games against the jets all right now we've we talked about the good times right and every career has struggles every career you know i used to say this all the time to the players i had in pro football there's one thing i can guarantee you about pro football is you're going to face adversity and you're going to face it from all different levels at all different times and all in all different ways injuries were the thing with you because you know i, I look at the, you know when you went to the lions because i've always been kind of a closet lions fan right when you went to the lions i was really half happy and you i mean you tore it up in preseason like you were the leading receiver in preseason you're you're going to be a starter it's all going to be great for you and then the last preseason game you get hurt right yeah and they that, cut you yeah yeah that one hurt um because of the pre you know four years i i kind of know you know where it's going and i'm i'm ob obviously looking at my career and saying okay i i know i can play here's a here's a place where i can come in we have a great quarterback you have a count you have a lot of I, I could be a nice number three receiver there right i think that's was my ultimate goal um, to be that guy, you know, get 500, 600 yards, try to get a little good second contract and ride off into the sunset eventually someday. Um, so to see my opportunity there and it was all clicking, uh, I was having a good, really good, um, spring, then a really good training camp. And then to have that happen right there at the end in the last game. Right. And I'm, it was once again, I'm, I'm on my way. I think I was like my second or third catch of the game early on, um, and then to get hurt and then you're sitting there looking like damn and it was my knee so i knew i was going to be out a while um luckily it wasn't too bad structurally i didn't completely tear anything so i knew i maybe i can get back in at the end of the year like i did with ended up doing with the buffalo bills but that one was tough because you know it's it's year five already you know i knew i had been injured basically every year and then you start you know thinking about you know you really have some conversations with yourself like what's next um you know football isn't going to last forever uh, like you think it is. So um, that one was tough to come home and, you know, start training again and rehabbing and thinking, am I going to get another chance? Uh, am I going to get another shot here? Another crack? Uh, yeah, that one, well, that one that one was a tough one, especially how things were were going at the time for me uh, in Detroit. Things were really rolling. Um, I felt like I was super comfortable. I was kind of a veteran and established. So I was like, ah, that, one, that one hurt. But uh, part of the game, you just got to keep got to keep picking yourself up. You got to keep grinding. You got to get after it. And, that, and that's really the kind of mentality I took with it. You know, I, I, I've watched it at every level and injuries. The psychology of injuries is maybe more 
you know, they're so good now in the met with the medical community and what they can do to fix knees and shoulders and every, but the mental aspect of being hurt where all of a sudden you go from being that slot receiver, that number three receiver, who's going to have a great year. And in that much time, you almost become not an outcast, but a hurt guy never feels like he's really a part of the team. And the, the mental part of that kind of take us down what that's like and the rehab and the, you know, everybody talks about the grind, but you know, you know what it's really like. Yeah, no, you, you kind of nailed it right there. You don't feel like you're really a part of it anymore because you're not out there every day at practice joking with the guys. You're not in the locker room with everybody. You're not in the meeting rooms. You're, you're there to, to get better. You wake up, you don't, you don't have the same schedule as everybody else. You know, you see everybody at the locker room and then they're off on their day, game planning, doing all the things you want to be doing, right? <laughs> that you wish you were doing. And then you're kind of in the, tra- in the training room or wherever you are on the practice, a side of the practice field, kind of rehabbing, getting better, going through that whole process. And that's just your life until whenever, right? And it depends on your injury. So I've had some where it's, it's a, a seventh month process doing that every single day. Um, I had others that are a little bit shorter, right? A hamstring or something, right? So it, yeah, you don't, you don't really feel a part of it anymore. And you're just kind of sitting there like, you know, you're always like, well, oh, why, why? Why, why is this happening? This is unfortunate. This is really unlucky, but uh, man, yeah. In, injuries and in especially in the NFL, it's going to be part of your game. It's not, it's not really um, an if, but when, right. That's it's, it's a hundred percent injury rate in the NFL. And you just hope that you don't have any big ones. Unfortunately I had a few big ones, um, but that that's just, that's just my story. Everyone, everyone has to deal with it, right? There's, there's been plenty of guys who were actually going to be superstar, superstar, have a career cut short because of an injury. So um, it's unfortunate. It's part of the game. I think they're trying to make it safer, uh, in some aspects, but it's going to be hard to prevent. You know, we, I don't think bodies are meant to run that fast, be that big and, and run full speed into each other. So, uh, it, until they play in bubble wrap or something, the injuries are just going to be part of the game. Well, you know, you took advantage of what that six years in the national football league did for you. And then football's over, right? There are no more games. It happens to everybody. I don't care whether you're a Hall of Famer or, you know, a free agent to get cut on the first cut down. Football's going to come to an end at some point. But you took advantage of a program that the NFL had to get you back to school and come back to the University of Hawaii and get your MBA. And now take us, let the fans know what you're doing now and how you're involved in football in a different kind of way. Yeah. Well, actually, I can't I can't rep the MBA from Hawaii. Sorry. <laughs> I ended up going. I ended up going to the Kelly School of Business at Indiana. <laughs> that was that's where I ended up doing my uh, my my masters at. But uh, but yeah, you know the NFL they they do offer a lot of things if you're willing to to look at it. Right, it's just one of those things you kind of have to be a self starter at. You know, if you want the opportunity to go back to school, you know they'll they'll pay if you're a vested veteran they'll pay for it. You know, so for me it was a, a no brainer. Um, they have off-season programs where I was able to go to some schools like the Wharton School of Business, the Miami School of Business, and really learn about finance, personal finance, investments, um, just all the things you should be thinking about probably when you do come into a little bit of money um, to help set yourself up, right? You don't want to have to change your lifestyle 100%. It, these checks are going to run out eventually. and I think it's like less than 10% can actually live off of their career earnings in the NFL. Um, so we're not all Tom Brady, <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, there's a lot of us who are making a lot less, but I'm, I, I don't feel too bad for myself because it's still really good money. Um, but yeah, n- now I was able to get my MBA and I knew there was going to be a transition at some point. So I'm just lucky and grateful for my wife and my family who kind of can push me and, and challenge me in the right ways to, to continue to get better as an individual, not just on the football field. And this is one of those opportunities I was able to take advantage of. Um, and get a world-class uh, education there at Indiana University and then able to come back here and raise a family and work for my alma mater for Learfield who represents the multimedia rights and all the corporate sponsorships for the athletics department so um, you know not part of football anymore I think I think I realized coaching and moving and football I, I, I'd had enough of that and I don't think it was as much as I would love to coach and I feel like I could coach receivers uh at some point i feel like the only place i'd ever want to coach is hawaii but then i feel like if you're a coach 
you either do really good and you go somewhere else or you don't do good enough and you go somewhere else, right? It's really rare for someone just to be somewhere. And that's what I was looking for, right? I had those six years in the NFL where I was in a new city every time. And that was fun. The Greg's house tour was fun for, for all the NFL fans out there. But uh, I, I wanted to settle down. I wanted to have roots. And me and my wife knew that Hawaii was a spot we wanted to raise our children. And and that's what we're doing here now. Yeah, we're, we're here. We got uh, I got Bella, who's five, and I got my son, Julian, who's two. And me and my wife are, you know, we're a little happy family over here. So that's kind of, that's the life I'm living now. Well, I tell you what, Greg, you know, the, we say this in the, in these offices that at Hawaii football, we stand on the shoulders of giants and you're one. Oh man. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that's all I want, uh, you know, seeing those guys ahead of me do it. Um, you know, the, all those guys who came before me kind of set the bar of what, what it is to be a warrior and uh, to play and represent the state of Hawaii. And you just wanted to emulate the guys that came before you. That's all, that's all I was trying to do. I was just trying to be like those guys. And, um, you know, they set a great example for me. Well, again, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute blast. And, and again, thank you for being home and taking care, help taking care of this university. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. All right. Aloha. Michael, what a guy, huh? Really, really interesting uh, conversation uh, and luck. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go and uh, hopefully chat to Greg myself at some point because I'd love to know more about his career. It was really, really interesting. And obviously props to Greg for people watching this in the UK or Europe. It's like six in the morning in Hawaii. So just to make everyone aware of that, he's up early. So thanks so much, Greg. Um, Jeff, let's say uh, we've, we've we've got four or five questions but like yeah you, you mentioned the broncos at the start you mentioned monday night football at the start um i've got five or ten minutes so feel free to hit me with any questions i will say this you were giving me a bit of jip or a bit of slagging about the broncos at the start there and about, about monday night that decision from hackett was in my 13 years of watching the league it's up there with one of the worst i've ever seen you know what you know what amazed me about it was that, you know, every NFL team has a way of insulating the head coach because I'm telling you, the pressure that a head coach is under and all the things that are going on on game day and how fast it moves and all of the strategy that you have to plan ahead for, somewhere in their structure, there's a disconnect because the analytics guy would have been the guy that would have told him your percentages are much better with your franchise quarterback at fourth and five than a 61 yard or 64 yard field goal at you know, sea level yeah again very 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 interesting and how long it took for them to make the decision you know and i heard russell say that they they felt like they had to get the ball on the left because this is how it works right the guy upstairs the analytics guy before the drive starts tells the head coach who tells the quarterback, we need to get to such and such a spot because they've already talked to their kicker before the game about, I need, you know, I can hit you. I can get you from let's say the 40 and I'm best off the left hash because of the wind or whatever's going on in the stadium. So they have all that information, but somehow in the chain of command that must've got displaced and, Hackett got paralyzed at a critical, critical moment. And, you know, what's interesting, that can be a play in a, in a head coach's career that defines their career. I mean, that's how crazy this business is. And you see yourself with all the overreaction in week one. And now you've got a number of teams. The Titans are one that are going to play Buffalo on Monday night. The Broncos will play the Texans. And then they got the Niners and some of that football. Uh, the Raiders are 0-1. There's a lot of teams that face big weekends this weekend, and it's crazy to say that two weeks in, but they're massive, especially in the AFC. Is there one game that you're looking forward to this weekend to watch? Um, I'm actually really excited to watch the Niners against the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Niners on Sunday. I don't rate well, Trelon. Well, I think, I think, first of all, I'd like to address what you just said. You know, overreaction Monday, which is, you know, turns into, you know, too much to worry about Tuesday or too much to talk about Tuesday or whatever. Here's the reality, right? This is what makes it so difficult because 
in the past, before this electronic boom that we have and everybody's got a talk show and everybody, I mean, you didn't have the amount of noise that you have now, right? And so to insulate your players from the noise, because the reality of it is it's week two, right? There's 17 of them. It's week two. Now, for the Titans, everybody's saying if the Titans don't win this weekend, they can forget about the Super Bowl. That's that's absolutely nuts. But that's the reality that we're faced with because of the way it is today, right? And so there's so much more pressure on players, so much more pressure on coaches. It's more difficult for coaches to insulate their players from the noise. And one of the reasons why I think at the end of the year, you'll see teams like the Patriots be hanging around. I'm not saying they're talented enough to win a Super Bowl, but I think they'll be hanging around because nobody in football does a better job of insulating his players and his team and his coaches from the noise than Bill does. It's going to be interesting, very, very interesting to me to see where the Broncos go, right? To see yeah. where the Niners go. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. That, that San Francisco-Seattle game, I think, is going to be a great game. Seattle showed some signs of getting back to the kind of football Pete wants to play. Uh, very quick before we get the questions in here, I'd, I have to know as somebody that has helped produce your show for over a year and has been in the depths of Wi-Fi despair at some points, uh, did you watch the game last night on Amazon? Did you have any Wi-Fi to watch it or did it work? <laughs> no, I watched it and it was a fantastic football game. I mean, yeah, a fantastic it was, football game. Like, not to go off the subject of football, I, I thought the broadcast was top-notch. It was yeah. really, really good. Now that's one good thing about having Sky over here. Sky were ahead of all the all the streams in America. It was fantastic, but uh, very impressed. Like Al Michaels and your guy from ESPN, Kirk, worked really, really well together. But the game itself was was super. And uh, as as you referred to at the start about the Chargers, the whole fourth down thing with Steely's interesting. But they are gonna be they're gonna be up there at the end of the year. You know, it's I think you look at Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers, and maybe the Ravens. I think are the last four in the AFC standing come January. Do you disagree with that, or what's your thought? It's the it's the usual suspects. Before we get off the topic of the game, though, I got to say, I, I I was in uh, Silas Clapham as our recruiting coordinator, and I was in his office, and he had the game on the TV, right? And I heard Kirk Herbstreet talking about NFL football, and Kirk Herbstreet is so. In, in, in American, you know, football lore, he is a college football broadcaster. When you hear his voice, you think about college football. And it was like crazy watching him talk about Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Herbert and, you know, the, the, the National Football League. But I thought they really did a good job. And Al Michaels is the consummate pro. Yeah, college ball. It's been a few weeks since I came in Dublin. Seen Scott Frost get fired uh, this week as well. You so, called it. You called well, it. I mean, it was off. It was obvious it was going to happen. But yes, I agree. Um, Mikey Richardson from England. It literally says England on his bio. So hi, Mikey. His yearly question of what do the Colts need to do in general? The Colts playing the uh, the Jaguars at the weekend. This is an intriguing game because the last time they played each other, obviously there was playoff permutations what did you think of matt ryan week one tied against the texans it's gonna take a bit well, of time to gel there isn't it well i think first of all i think the texans are better than they were and i think lovey's added some stability to that franchise you know it's going to take matt ryan some time it's going to take that offense some time to gel I, you know that's not a very strong division mike and i think that the colts are the best team in that division total football team right so I, I think that's going to be one of those divisions where it's going to go down to the end. And Jacksonville's better than they were. The Texans are better than they were. The Colts are trying to figure it out with a new quarterback. So, you know, I, I think the Colts just have to stay the course. You know, again, every rep, every, you know, game, every situation, that offense will continue to grow, I think. And, and again, I'm not worried about the Colts. I think, again, I think they'll be in the hunt as we get to November for a playoff spot. In the hunt by the time you're back over here again. Uh, Aaron from England, uh, is like this is the last question. Who is coach tipping for the Super Bowl? I think you've already gave your pick, have you? No, or... 
Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at Kansas City, I think Kansas City's better, right? And I think you see how Kansas City improved themselves in the offseason. They still, I think, are they're going to miss Tyreek Hill. There's no question. They miss that dynamic part of their offense. But I think Patrick's continued to grow. Kelsey's, you know, looks like he hasn't lost a step at all. I mean, he just somehow finds a way to get open all the time. Um, Edwards Hilaire, I thought, played outstanding. They're a very good football team. But it's the defense that I thought is better, right? You know, they've got some young players over there on defense. Karlaftis and some of the guys they, they brought in this offseason, I think, are going to make an impact for them. So I think Kansas City will be one. You know, again, who's who the, who the second one is, we'll just have to see it. You know, the Rams, it's going to, you know, they're a work in progress right now on the other side. Me and you and uh, a bucket of beers in the desert in February could be an interesting combination. <laughs> uh, let's see what happens. The flights are booked, so please God, it happens. Uh, Jeff, very, very quickly, man. 6 a.m. your time on Sunday. Are you up for joining me live to talk some talk some ball, yeah? I would I would love to. Hey, by the way, I, I, got, I know we got a question from Joey Alf- Alfieri from Montreal. Oh, Montreal, yeah. And he said he asked who's the best looking pundit in in Montreal, and I I I I, I was thinking Joe. I I don't really know if there's anybody better than you, right? So slick, you just that continental French flavor. You know, you just bringing it daily. So yes, Joe, I will give you my my nod. There you go. Uh, what we're gonna do is so I'll tell everyone this to tell you is about Sunday. What we'll do is we'll we'll put each game up. And we'll put our picks up on the screen. So I'll get your picks tomorrow via text. And then we'll go through every game in 40 minutes. We'll talk rubbish for 40 hey, minutes. Wait a second. You're going to get my picks and you're going to put them up on the screen? That's the, that's, that's the plan. Are you paying me? No, those picks are going to make people money, Mike. Well, right? <laughs> we can discuss <laughs> that off air. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll try and get that in. Here, uh, man. Enjoy your Friday, and for everyone watching in, in Europe, UK, 5 p.m. UK, 6 p.m. Europe, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we'll be on the Gridiron Social Channel on Sunday. Feel free to join us, but for now, Jeff, uh, have a lovely weekend. Great hey, chat. Um, we're getting ready to go to practice. You see the sun coming up here in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs>